the importance of mobile for me personally is as a tool of democratisation. Uh, journalists are going into war zone areas uh, in the Middle East and they're using mobile and they're using mobile without microphones. They're just using mobile because they don't want to be painted as a target. But it's not so much a new way of doing things. It's a neo-journalistic way. It's a way of retaining the legacy skills that are still relevant and marrying them with new skills. People are smart and they can verify their own content. If the COVID situation has done anything, I think it's legitimised these tools and the skills around them uh, to a broad, for a broader audience. So it's changing the way we're going to be teaching already. Welcome back to Awesome Media House podcast with Chaitra. The guest for today's episode is Evo Burham. is an Australian journalist and award-winning writer, director and television executive producer, lecturer and convener media industries. The mobile journalism expert has over 30 years of experience in fact-based reporting, producing multimedia content for more than 35 countries. Let us welcome the author of Mojo and Democratizing Journalism Through Mobile Media, Evo. Could you tell our listeners how you're part of Oslo Media House? Well, look, uh, I go back a long way with Oslo Media House. Um, I began my association with Gaia uh, in Denmark. And, uh, well, uh, when I was delivering mobile workshops there for Extrabladet, and uh, when uh, Gaia left the organisation... And I came on and I spent nearly a year there training their journalists. Uh, I then came back through uh, Norway, back to Australia through Norway. And Gaia um, um, showed me what he was going to do uh, with Magna at Oslo Media House. And so I began an association with them there. And I did a whole series for a number of years. I did a series of workshops. I did some from Oslo Media House and I did some for the Institute of Journalism. But they were all, in a sense, brokered and organised because of Oslo Media House. So my association goes a long way back. And in fact, I think on the wall, I'm number seven uh, of, of all the people. Yeah, Yeah, and uh, since you are the one of the first members, and, and I think that explains why you're known as EVO 007. Yeah, that's right. And uh, as Magna would like to say, 007. It, wasn't, <laughs> it, was, it was just when I came in. You know, I actually think, if truth be known, that I should be number three, is what I think, right? Because, because I really was there at the very beginning. But I thought it was an amazing initiative. And I thought that the rest of the world could look to that uh, as a way of... Because you see, today, uh, everybody talks about a new way of doing things. But it's not so much a new way of doing things. It's a neo-journalistic way. It's a way of retaining the legacy skills that are still relevant and marrying them with new skills. And I think, uh, I think that's um, kind of what we try to do with Mojo. And I think that's what the Oslo Media House does really well, where it gets people who are so experienced, have so much to offer younger people, they put them all together. So you harness the energy of one and harness the energy and the skills of another, and you end up with something a little bit special. That's right. And uh, where are you now and what do you do these days of self-isolation? Well, I'm self-isolating in my home in, uh, in Melbourne, in uh, Richmond. Uh, 
and uh, uh, I'm, um, I'm working at the university, at La Trobe University, where I'm the convener of um, media industries, uh, which is part of the Bachelor of Media and Communications. I deliver some subjects from f across first, second and third years, and in, in, in particular one of them is mobile storytelling. Okay. Uh, for self-isolation, for self we're, uh, we're uh, delivering everything online using Zoom from home. Okay. And as a journalist and a professor, how are you coping up with pandemic? Well, uh, as a journalist, I'm uh, not doing all that much uh, apart from reading and watching lots of stuff online and making comments about everything that's going on around the world. Uh, as, a, as an academic, uh, I'm like all academics, we didn't get any warning of this. So we had to quickly transform our on-campus subjects into online subjects, which is what we've been doing. So we've been working very hard to make sure the students still get a really strong uh, and effective semester. Yes. And looks like two semesters now. So, okay, all right. So how are the students coping up with the giving online ex examinations and attending classes? Well, I'll tell you what it means in my case. Because of my subjects are incredibly practical, there's a lot of practical aspects to them. Um, and when you do practical subjects, you need to teach students lots of practical skills. And so because you can't be there, you then have to make how-to videos. So, in fact, I have a really terrific online course now that I have that I'll be putting out because it's actually I've developed all the online videos, the how-to videos for every stage of the course. So I've been very busy doing that. And, uh, and what I do every week, I have a lecture for all, the, for all the tutorials. So one lecture, which I make and I put online. And then I have two other tutors who work with me and we take the tutorials, there's a whole number of tutorials, and we divide them up, and then we have live tutorials with the students using Zoom. And at, during those tutorials, we discuss what's in the lecture. We also discuss their stories, because they're all making TV programs wow. while they're in isolation. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. They're making stories, and the stories will be compiled into programs. So all of the stories have to be finished this week, and then they've got two more weeks to put the programs together. So it's quite exciting, really, and uh, so there's plenty to do. Yeah, and it sounds like it's really functional. Students are doing well. Well, look, yeah, yeah, look, uh, initially everybody was a little bit apprehensive. And then, of course, we found out ways of using Zoom to do this and that and this and that, and everything became manageable. And uh, once you took a big breath and once you actually realized that it wasn't going to be as bad as it as it is as it could be that in fact there were ways of working around and once you realized it wasn't you as a student that was doing this only it was all the journalists around the world were doing this so in fact you can take the glasses half full attitude and see that they're getting a really good entree into what they're going to be working like as a journalist in these types of situations exactly. so so, so that's what happened, and it's been very manageable, very manageable. Yes, and we are all in the same boat now. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, we are. Yeah, we're all in the same boat. <laughs> Could you please uh, share your thoughts on how will pandemic manage to change our society with its restrictions and impact on the economy? I don't know that I'm uh, qualified to talk about how it's going to change society. I think you need to be an epidemiologist or someone like that to talk about that. 
or a prime minister or something. <laughs> but um, certainly, I think at our university, they're looking at whether they need everybody back doing on campus. And they're looking at which subjects could be off campus online. So it's changing the way we're going to be teaching already. Mobile is playing a really big role uh, now. And uh, in the early days when I was banging on to so many journalists in Norway, hundreds of them, about the importance of mobile, sometimes it was difficult to get them to understand. But now every journalist is using mobile. They're using to do links from home, links from the farm, wherever they're isolating. So all of a sudden, mobile is exactly what we've been saying it is. It's your best friend. It's your link in the home, play, work, home continuum. And, um, and I think that it's, it's coming into its own very quickly. Yes. That's the biggest thing I've noticed. Uh, that was my next question, like democratizing journalism to mobile media and how it is relevant in terms of current situation. You know, I think it's very relevant. I think you've got journalists who are using mobiles at home. You've got students who are using mobiles. They're using the same equipment. You've got people in communities using the same equipment. When we had uh, the two journalists who were captured, the Reuters journalists who were captured in the Rahin state in, uh, in Myanmar, and the last reports on them that came out were via mobile. You know, uh, journalists are going into war zone areas uh, in the Middle East and they're using mobile and they're using mobile without microphones. They're just using mobile because they don't want to be painted as a target. So, so mobile is going to play a huge role going forward. And of course, now, you know, when mobile first came out, there were issues they, people thought with respect to technical, you know, capabilities. But that's because most people involved in mobile in the early days were either radio journalists or, who were technically minded or print journalists, not many television journalists. Those of us that came from television understood that the technology really had little to do with it. It was all about storytelling. Yeah? And as long as you got the sound sounding right, people will watch it. MTV taught us that we'll watch wobbly pictures, but we won't listen to bad sound. Okay? So, so mobile has uh, always been exciting. I think now it's going to be exciting to a lot more people uh, because now they're seeing the, oh, wow, so look, it doesn't look so bad. You know, it's okay. And if you put it on a tripod and put a microphone and wow, did you know it was 4K? You know, all that. Yeah. You know, we knew all that. We've known all that for years, but mobile is now. So the importance of mobile for me personally is as a tool of democratization. I've, one of the books I wrote was called, it's all to do with democratizing journalism through mobile media. Yeah. And, and that's what I've been trying to do. You know, whenever I teach a group of journalists, I also teach a group of citizens. Yes. Yeah. So the idea is to actually democratize the skill set, not just the tools. Everybody's got a tool. But what we have in our heads is a skill set. And that's what needs to be democratized. That's why the focus for Mojo has to be storytelling and not technology. Because technology can be bought, but the skill set needs to be democratized. What is the state of uh, media industry in terms of providing information? Are they losing credibility in a way? Well, one big question is, if so many people end up using mo uh, mobile, how do we verify everything? How do we check everything? Well, they could have said that about the news of the world, couldn't they? Where they were professional journalists, 
abusing the system for corporate and commercial gain. So I think that the role of journalism today, the role of journalism is partly to, to verify stuff. But I think in training, you get verification. In the training that I've done in marginalised areas and mar with marginalised people, there's never been an issue with respect to something going wrong, something said that's not right, um, some fake story. There's never been that issue. People, people take their opportunity to deliver stories, to create stories and deliver messages very seriously. But you have to teach them. You have to take them from UGC, from user-generated content, which is bang, 500 hours a minute, right, uploaded, um, to user-generated stories, to UGS, which is, takes a lot of thought. And you have to think about why you're doing what you're doing. And in that thought process comes a sense of self-verification. And I think that that's where we're headed. Uh, and still, sure, the role of journalists will still be to verify content. But as Gaia would say, as your colleague there, Gaia Rudd would say, that's one of the roles of journalists today, is the verification role. But I'm wondering, uh, if I was to have a beer with him, I would say, yeah, you're right, absolutely. But I wonder how long that will be the fact, because people can, people are smart and they can verify their own content and, and people take great pride, great pride in their work. Yeah, and that's about democratising journalism. It's the wisdom of the people. That it's, it's, it's using the wisdom of the people and their discreet and diverse thoughts and democratising our skill set so that they can, they can join with us in creating these powerful politicised stories. So you have written six books on mobile journalism. I've just finished two. A new one for Routledge, which is just at the printers now, and that's called The Mojo Handbook, Theory to Praxis, and a new one for Sennheiser as well, a shorter one. So, um, so yeah, one, two, about six, yeah. Okay, could you please share some insights of Mojo? It's very hard in a short period of time to share some insights, but I would say that... Um, if people are listening and they want to know about mobile storytelling, I would say um, the first question they say to me is, can my phone do it? Right? If your phone can record good audio and good video, it can do it. Right? Do you have memory in your phone? No, we'll get a new phone or get more memory. If you have memory and you can put a microphone in your phone and it'll record good video, it's going to be fine. It's not about the technology. Um, mobile journalism is about storytelling. So I think you need to think scrap. You need to think story. You need to think, what's my story? If you know the story, you'll know who you need in the story. So think C, characters. Who are my characters? Yeah, Because video is so important. It's not like radio or print. You can't ring up 67 people. In video, you can only film. So who are you going to film? Because it's time. It's a time thing. Who are you going to film? So characters, knowing your characters is important. R for resolution or structure. Knowing the structure of your story is important. Uh, it's so important. Actuality is what are you going to film? What's going to make my story different? What's going to make it current? And that's very important. And P is for production. What are the logistics of my story? Do I need to catch a, a, a bus or a plane? How do I get there? And how am I going to upload the stuff back to my editor? That's the sort of thing. They're the sort of five key points that I try and, and, uh, I try and pitch to people. And in those key five points, there's no mention of technology, right? It's just the old skills of journalism. Teaching someone to operate, to film, to record sound, and to edit 
on a, on a smartphone is very quick. It's very quick. Teaching them storytelling. When I was, I used to work in television. I spent 30 years as a, an executive producer. And when I used to bring on interns every year. And uh, I used to say to them, what can you do? Show me something you've made. And they would show me a story. And I would say to them, what did you do on that story? And they would say, oh, I did this, this and this. And I would say, if it was written well, I would say, or badly, I would say, who wrote the story? Because the writing is the hardest yes. thing. The storytelling is the most difficult thing to teach. And you can teach the rest of the stuff very, very quickly. It's the, and, and that's the same in Mojo. In Mojo, what we've found in all the workshops we've done at Oslo Media House and everywhere else, we've found that the, the writing, the storytelling aspect is the thing that needs to be taught. Exactly. I mean, like making a film or a video is just as simple as taking a picture. While when it comes to talk about the story, you need to have the start, the conflict, and you have to tell what's the resolution. Yeah, you need to have the five key points uh, yes. at least. And uh, so making a video, shooting a video, user-generated content is easy. But making a video, a story, a video that's a story, putting the bits together, that's complex. And having a structure is the, have, knowing what the story is, who's going to be in it, and what the structure is are the three key components of that. Someone like producing multimedia content for more than 35 countries, how are you uh, dealing with the situation now? Like, do you have any projects overseas now? Uh, I, I'm still working with Arij in uh, the Middle East, and uh, we're still training journalists there, uh, but that normally happens around December. So at the moment, I have nothing. And uh, I was just meant to go to Indonesia to do a, um, a big program for the Australian government. But of course, that was canned or it was delayed because of, uh, because of the COVID situation. So, so uh, most of the training that I'm doing now is at the university. And, um, and I'm waiting to see what else can be done. Do you, would you like to share something about uh, the project? In Middle East? Well, I've been doing it now for six years, yeah? And we teach um, journalists. I think we've taught five, six hundred journalists, I think, from what Rana said. Um, and we've been uh, teaching citizens there as well. And we, at one, uh, we, we work with Médecins Sans Frontières. Uh, we've worked with lots of specialist groups as well. And the idea is to teach them basic mojo skills so that they can report on their own stories, yeah? Yeah, yeah, and uh, and because it's such a volatile region, such a politicised region, we've found that mobile is very, very uh, useful tool because the journalists can go in behind uh, the checkpoints, you know, through the the zones into the zones. They can film their story. They can then upload their story. They edit the story while they're still there. Upload the story, and then get rid of all the footage and go back through the checkpoint safely once they hear, once they hear that the story has been uploaded. So um, it's very exciting, you know, and, uh, and I think what the, if the coronavirus, uh, the COVID situation has done anything, I think it's legitimised these tools and the skills around them uh, to a broad, for a broader audience. How can Mojo help fighting the fake news? Uh, mobile journalism skills require a great deal of thought, research, because I'm talking about making stories, and stories require research. They require you to decide 
how the story is going to be made, who's going to be in it, and why. And I think that having those skills uh, means that you've actually thought about it. Uh, it's the thing called the Laswell maxim. When you actually think about something like that, you actually end up putting a lot of work into it. And I think that that's where I see mobile as being a very successful tool uh, in helping uh, fight um, these, um, these fake news. I also think that, that, let's say someone puts out a fake story, because of the internet today, that story can be seen almost everywhere, the people in the regions who, let that, let's say the regions where that story is about, people in those regions can actually answer back. They now have the power to answer back and to say, well, well, I'm not so sure because, and they can do that using their mobiles. So I think the mobile journalism that I'm advocating is a very, very story-based, investigation-based, research-based type of skill set that requires a lot of thought. And I would hope that that sort of training would help you uh, look for uh, the fake aspects of lots of stories and help make your own stories true and correct. Uh, before we end this podcast, would you like to share a memory connected to Oslo Media House? Um, yeah, there are so many uh, memories uh, from Oslo Media House. Uh, my birthday that everybody celebrated there, which was quite amazing. Um, meeting wonderful people like Magna, Gaia, Sverre and everybody else. Um, but I think that the great thing about Oslo, Oslo Media House that I would share would be the barbecues that we had out on the, <laughs> on the deck. Those barbecues were famous. We had 21st birthdays there. We had everything. Everybody would come. And they came, I think, because the vibe was fantastic, because everybody was sharing ideas. And that's the great thing about Oslo Media House, uh, that everybody shared ideas. I mean, I have a number of... Uh, uh, videos that I made while I was there about where I was evaluating equipment. One of them was for Sennheiser and, uh, and, uh, and uh, I had to go up and down the stairs to actually see how well the radio mic worked. And I went up and down the stairs so many times I nearly died. That was a fantastic <laughs> memory. The other great memory was when the hamburger man started a few doors up. He started selling hamburgers and that was very famous because he's a very famous hamburger man. And, uh, and so I have those sort of memories. But my greatest memory is of the love and of the sharing and of the friendship and about how important I thought that was and how amazing that was as a model for the rest of the world. When we would see you again in Oslo Media House, are you planning for any workshop? We, well, I, we were, Magna and I are talking about doing a workshop, but in fact, uh, we're waiting for COVID to stop. Uh, we, we all might be unemployed soon. Uh, because of COVID, so they might be over there sooner rather than later. And uh, and uh, but I, I can't wait to get back. I love my friends in Oslo, and you know one of the great things about Norway is that Norway has been a really amazing country for upskilling their the staff, especially in the media area. In Norway, uh, like uh, in many countries, they spent money on still upskilling staff, but in Norway in particular. I thought it was a really good model for the amount of time and energy people spent upskilling staff. And I guess that's why Oslo Media House is there, you know. So anyway, I, I can't wait to get back. Uh, I hope to get back really, really soon. And I hope we can do a workshop. But if we can't, I hope we can go and have a beer. That's great, yes, for sure. 
and it has been a pleasure talking to you evo and thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your thoughts and experiences well that's all for today's episode and thank you for listening to us thank you again and this is chaitra signing off <laughs>